Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times. And today, joining me in the studio is Indiana University President Michael McRobbie. If you'd like to uh, ask President McRobbie a question or join our conversation, you can phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is our web address if you want to send us an email and uh, have a conversation with others who are on the the website. Uh, We're going to have a conversation here. Thank you for being here. Pleasure to be here as always, Bob. All right. So we're going to have a conversation here, and we'll get to your calls and your comments a little later on in the program. But uh, please grab those numbers and feel free to call in. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, been a wild year. It, it always is, it seems like. <laughs> uh, but I, I want to start by just asking about you know the Indiana legislature, the state house, and prospects for Indiana University's funding going forward from the state. Well, I think I think this this is. Uh, been certainly or is the the most difficult legislative session uh, that uh, that I've seen in my now in this is my fifteenth year in um, Indiana and and it uh, uh, it is a, a difficult session reflecting the fact that we are uh, uh, slowly emerging from the worst uh, economic uh, recession uh, since the Great Depression uh, and uh, as things stand were the budget. The budget cuts to be enacted exactly as they have been proposed uh, it would mean a nearly 10% cut to the uh, Indiana University uh, budget, the portion that comes from the state, and and that would have uh, you know very very serious consequences throughout uh, the university. Now uh, we do have over two months to go of the session. The point we're at exactly at the moment is that uh, the initial uh, budget uh, recommendation has cleared the House Ways and Means Committee. It hasn't gone to the full House. The House isn't meeting at the moment. And then, of course, it has to go to the Senate uh, Budget Committee, then to the Senate, and then they have to reconcile differences. So there's a there's a lengthy, complicated process to go. And we this is this at this time of the year during a budget session. Uh, this occupies a significant amount of my attention, and it occupies pretty much the full-time attention of a number of members of our legislative staff. And uh, this this is a matter that I interact with them on a on a basically a daily basis. I was on the phone this morning. I'll be on the phone later today to some of our people um, on various matters. And we have been working uh, with members of the legislature, both in the House and the Senate, to really make our case for how the these cuts as proposed to it would be damaging. Uh, we do understand, and I think we've uh, endeavoured to, to cope with the difficult economic circumstances in the state, the very significant decline in revenue that, that's meant that everybody's had to shoulder their, their part of the burden, but also try to uh, advocate uh, for um, alternatives to what has been proposed. And I, I'm always, um, I'm an optimist by nature, and I'm reasonably optimistic that uh, that the case we're making is being heard and that where we will end up will be a significant, significant improvement over where we are. But, of course, there's no guarantees of that, and uh, we have to continue to work um, as hard as we can every day right up until the end of April uh, to get the best possible result we can for the university. I think it's uh, it's worth noting, uh, you mentioned the 10% of the, of the IU's budget that comes from the state. I mean, the amount that comes from the state has been reduced in, yes. I mean, the percentage that yes. comes from the state. So yeah. what, what is the percentage that comes from the state now, roughly? Oh, o- overall, um, if, you, if, you, if you don't just take the operating budget, you take all sources of income out, total budgets in the vicinity of about uh, $2.7 billion, and the, the amount from the state is in the vicinity of about half a billion. So it's not, uh, it's, it's annually. So it's not, um, it, it's, it, it is a very important part of the budget, but we, we also get significant income from a whole range of other sources, obviously tuition, uh, private philanthropy, research uh, sure. funding, clinical income, and so on as well. Yeah, I'm not, I, I didn't uh, do all that well in math, but 10% of half a billion is a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's yeah, that's right, and and it, it is a lot of money, and and remember that's on top of uh, cuts uh, approaching that amount that we've already um, uh, dealt with mm-hmm. over the last couple of years, and I, I'd like to think we we've actually been able to deal with that 
pretty well in that it, uh, it we did not allow it to have a uh, any sort of a significant impact on the core academic mission of the institution. We've continued to hire. We've uh, uh, continued to build new academic programs, and of course the other component of that is we've continued to, to build in, in what is a what has been until recently anyway an excellent climate for building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's another uh, another point that I wanted to, to ask you about because I know that, that there have been a lot of the money that the state doesn't want you to spend, it seems like, is in repair and re- rehabilitation yeah. of buildings, and that could come back to haunt the university at yeah, some point. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, – that's a – I mean, that's a, it's a good question, Bob, because it, it is a matter that really does – Concern me, and it uh, concerns our our trustees, and and, and absolutely rightly so. Uh, we have uh, the the total value of of all of the buildings and infrastructure in the university. If you if you exclude athletics and uh, some of the auxiliaries like that, is about five million. If you five billion, sorry. If you throw everything in, it's in excess of seven billion dollars. But um, we that we have in the past relied at least for the state funded part of that we've relied on the state for R&R funding and and uh, that has not been funded according to the formula that was that, that has been widely uh, praised around the country that has not been funded according to that formula now for over 10 years and uh, um, the expectations are that it'll be difficult to see it fully funded this year so the question then comes up how are we going to continue to repair and rehabilitate this huge physical plant that we have over the eight campuses of uh, Indiana University? Now, Vice President Theobald took to the trustees at the last meeting a plan that will that will start to ensure that funding is put aside for the uh, what's called repair and rehabilitation R&R for all of the um, auxiliaries in the university, but that still leaves us um, facing a major problem with respect to the uh, the core academic buildings, which is the $5 billion plus uh, those buildings within the institution. We obviously put some money into that now, um, significant amount of money. We're going to have to put more into it in the future. The big issue is going to be where does it come from, and that's compounded by the fact that at the same time we're trying to deal with significant cuts to the budget elsewhere. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm talking with Michael McGrobby today, president of Indiana University. If you want to join us on the program, phone 855-0811 or toll-free 877-285-9348. WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is uh, the web address. You can join us there as well. Um, you have been very consistent, I think, in saying you know, through this, these economic challenges that you, know, you want to focus on hiring strategically um, and, and just keep building in order to take advantage of, the, of these the better, better prices, better costs. So how successful have you been? Uh, I, I think we've been uh, – very successful. Uh, we we have, uh, if you, if you take say roughly the last couple of years, and then you look out a couple of years, mm-hmm. we have somewhere in the vicinity of about um, have either completed, have under construction, or have planned about uh, 1.5 million square feet of space across the university. Next week, I fly up to South Bend to dedicate Harper Hall, which is the new uh, cancer research centre, jointly funded between us and. Uh, uh, Notre Dame um, up there and, the, and uh, through our School of Medicine uh, we'll be groundbreaking in the next uh, month or so for the new music building just close to where we're doing this interview Bob of course and uh, and then yesterday I was, I was touring the uh, uh, superb new CIB building on the corner of 10th and the Bypass which which will be complete in about another four, four or five months uh, the Glick Eye Care Centre building up in um, Indianapolis on the medical school is very close to completion. I had the great pleasure of having lunch with Marilyn Glick uh, last week in Florida and thanking her and her husband, Jean, yet again for the magnificent donation of $30, $30 million that, uh, that made that possible. And that's just some of the highlights. I mean, I can, I can go on here. And um, we have a lot more planned. We've completed a lot. You've heard me say before that that, um, uh, that a, a study that was done many years ago said that one of the biggest impediments to us reaching our full potential as a research university is 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 uh, uh, the lack of adequate space, and uh, and and that's something that it's been a priority of mine to try to rectify. And I think we're having a big impact on it. And of course, I I, I can't um, uh, I have to mention, of course, the opening of the IU Cinema and the new uh, uh, theatre performance. Um, Space uh, two, which uh, is another, I think, major addition to the to the campus in a whole range of different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, why is that so important? Well, uh, I, I, I would, I, the, the case I try to make for that is um, is, is sort of twofold. Uh, f- firstly, 
uh, great, great film, great, great cinema, uh, uh, I think to me and to, to many other people, really is on a par with uh, great operas, great symphonies, uh, great jazz, uh, great theatre, great paintings and so on. And um, uh, it, it is in fact the, the one really unique form of art to have um, uh, evolved and uh, developed and emerged in the, in the 20th century. And, and, and the predominant influence in that, in that development, of course, came from the United States. And, uh, but in spite of that, we did not have a facility on the campus to equal that of the MAC or the Auditorium or the, uh, the IU Art Museum or the Lily Rare Books Library or the Wellsmiths uh, Theatre Complex and so on there. And so the goal was to give us a... a, a um, uh, a, a facility comparable to those to be able to show uh, film at its very finest. And uh, and that, I think, under Jonathan Vickers' leadership has been done in an absolutely exemplary fashion. I couldn't be more pleased with what Jonathan has, has uh, done. Then then secondly, we, we were for many, many decades a major uh, centre for film studies, and I think we continue to be very strong in that area. But other, what I think of as being... Um, arrival centres, centres that were very academically strong in film studies like the University of Southern California had uh, built cinemas and had established major cinemas um, as part of their film studies curricula uh, many years ago and I think it was going to be difficult for us to continue to compete without having facilities at that level and I think once again we'll be able to compete with the very very best and I said two points but let me let me jump in and add a third sure. which was which was simply that the use of, of film um, transcends just film studies, that is the, the study of the, the artistic and academic interest of, of films. Um, it, it is um, an important part of the curricula uh, right across um, the, uh, the arts, humanities, social sciences and, and other areas as well. And this now gives us an absolutely first-rate facility to, to back that up. Now, having said all that, I should also add that we, we have a new uh, rehearsal and performance space um, that, that was part of that overall renovation that uh, the theatre and, uh, theater and drama department um, will um, has now started using, and will I think really give them, according to their their chair, Jonathan Michaelson. Mike, Jonathan said that uh, he thinks that probably gives them facilities as good as any university in the country now in theatre and drama. Mm-hmm. Another area where there's been a lot of building, and you know, before the show, you said you had taken a tour yesterday, a hard right. hat tour of the tenth and the bypass, the technology park. Um, can you give us an update on what's uh, what's happening out there and, and what's planned? Yeah, uh, the one of the things we'll be doing is um, next month we'll be uh, rededicating what was um, what was I guess up until today known as the uh, the IU Cyclotron facility, uh, which will um, be rededicated as uh, what we call the the Integrated Science and Accelerated Technology Hall. It's rather a long name to be called ISAT Hall for short but really reflecting um, its um, evolution in, into really a new facility. Which, and it'll have three components. It'll have uh, a new uh, major uh, centre of um, uh, research for our Department of Physics and a number of other departments called the Centre for the Exploration of Energy and Matter. It will have a group uh, now formed that is focused purely on the operations of the cyclotron beam to provide that beam to what used to be called MPRI and is now part of IU Health. It's called the IU Health uh, Proton Therapy Center. And uh, so we'll have a formal dedication of all of that. And that really forms the the northern end of the research corridor. And at, at its eastern end, around the end of the bypass, at 10th and the bypass, uh, there we have the new innovation center, which was opened, uh, I think it was last year, and uh, the the new CIB building, which will be dedicated this year, and uh, of course the data center, which we also opened about a year ago, uh, and uh, w- we have a number of other plans underway for um, expansions in that area. So that whole corridor there mm-hmm. uh, is is has is really now our technology park, and it will be not only where uh, various developments from the university and technology will take place. Um, but uh, we're looking to, and we hope over the next couple of years, we will be able to partner with the private sector to uh, erect some new facilities um, in in that area that will uh, provide the opportunity for very close uh, collaboration with uh, with 
people, particularly in the information technology, the life sciences, but other areas as well uh, along that corridor. So for, uh, you know, for all of us, all, all of our listeners out there, I mean, the, the overall goal for having a technology park is to be able to, to do the research, right. to do the, the work needed to, to make the discoveries, but right. also to transfer that knowledge right. to the private sector. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that's exactly right. The 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 whole point is is that we have um, we have faculty uh, right across the disciplines, really, who um, as as part of the the work they do, uh, come up with inventions and and innovations, uh, ideas that that may lead to new products, new treatments, new cures. Uh, that um, that they really need a, a place where they can sort of prototype those, those ideas, uh, or, or what people say is to incubate those those ideas, and, and that that in part is what we're um, uh, what we've established uh, in 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 our technology park. At the same time, uh, you're also looking for uh, ways in which you can collaborate and, and interwork with uh, people from. Uh, the private sector, uh, so that you can cross fertilize uh, each other's work. So, so, so we're looking for opportunities where we can work more closely with uh, people in in, um, in in industry who are working in in areas that that may provide us with particularly good insights into areas of research that, if they were, if advances were made in those areas, could have a major impact. For the kind of work those companies are doing, and that that in turn has an impact uh, in terms of jobs and uh, and ultimately in in uh, further resources that come back to the university. I did see uh, Bill Steffen speak within the last couple of weeks, and uh, you know some of that's already happening. So, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 right, right. Well, you know, I think you know uh, that um, the, uh, the that we sold um, a company uh, recently for a hundred million dollars, uh, which. Uh, over twenty million dollars came to the, came to the university uh, at the company Angel Learning as well, and and uh, uh, Richard DeMarchi in the chemistry department, the company that he was involved in founding, Marcadia, was sold for uh, over two hundred million dollars, and um, uh, some of the licensing for that is is coming back to the to the university as well. Okay, we'll talk more about that and and get to. Uh, I have to go back to the the budgeting and the legislature a little bit. Yeah, we sure. do have a phone call, um, so if you want to grab those headphones. I have a phone call from uh, John. John, go ahead. Well, yeah, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, President McGroby was uh, speaking earlier about the budget issues, and then he went on shortly thereafter to say he was flying up to South Bend. As, uh, I wanted to pose the question, is he really flying from Bloomington to South Bend, and does that contribute to any of the budget issues? Well, it's it's probably the, the overall... Uh, cost of doing so when other people are involved is a, is um, uh, about the same as uh, uh, doing it some other way. Uh, so, so um, the scheme of things is a relatively modest cost. Yep. All right, John. All right. All right. Thanks for the call. Everybody's watching those dollars. <laughs> I guess that, that's uh, we're in that time. We're in, we're in a time like that. Uh, so let's. I want to go back to the budget for. Uh, a minute, and just that, you know, I know that, that the university just uh, released some information about a, a uh, early retirement plan, mm-hmm. and I wonder if that's part of the the budget strategy. I know, you know, as you plan for you, you know, as you as we mentioned, let's review. We mentioned that the state budget as it is now, if it would pass, it would be a ten percent pay or ten percent reduction in the amount of money going to the university. So you have to be making, you know, you've made a lot of cuts. You have to make contingency plans. Is that part of just you know, business going forward, trying to make sure that you have enough to do the things that you want to do. Um, the the um, that 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 plan is is uh, hasn't uh, been uh, finally uh, released yet. But but basically, the motivation for it is pretty much as you described, mm-hmm. Bob. I think we'll have that uh, the final version of that out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but the but the. The, mo- the motivation for that is um, is really to uh, to free up resources through people taking advantage of of early retirement uh, that that will then enable the various departments and schools uh, that those people retire from to uh, to reprioritize, reprioritize those resources and be able to um, 
make decisions about about how to how to apply them according to what are the the, the most important needs of those departments and, and schools. It it gives us the it, it, it it's a way of generating uh, some much needed flexibility in terms of what we do. Um, with respect to the core academic mission of the institution as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Our phone numbers again, 855-0811-877-285-9348. WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is uh, the website. If you want to go to the website, you can uh, talk to us there. So, uh, you know, in, in terms of the, the the state of the economy and the and the state of the university, I mean, you, you have focused on certain things that are of the most importance. I mean, in a time like this, and you've said it a couple of different times, the most challenging financial climate in right. the last 80 years, right. I mean, you, you have to set some real clear priorities. And, you know, we've mentioned a couple. I think you mentioned six in your state of the university address. I want to talk about the, mm-hmm. the health sciences area mm-hmm. because that's one one of the other areas that that you mentioned. I mean, IU Health, the new the mm-hmm. new IU Health is a certainly a major part of that in terms of clinical uh, work. But uh, again, I get this is. I'm not asking this in a very uh, efficient, professional way, but I just want you to sort of give um, an overview of how the university is moving forward in the health sciences area at this point. Why? What? What are the, your major priorities there? Well, the the name change that uh, that that was formally launched uh, last month is is a reflection of the the growing closeness of. What is now the IU Health System that was known as uh, Clarion before that, um, and the university, um, primarily with respect to the clinical schools, the School of Medicine, Dentistry, Nursing, Optometry, Social Work, um, uh, but but some other schools have uh, have some involvement um, there as well, and and it and it reflects the fact that that uh, that hospital systems. Uh, uh, have elsewhere in the country, and 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 our, the IU Health System does as well. They they invest in uh, the clinical practices and the clinical research of um, uh, of the clinical schools with within a university. And if you can get that right, that is, if you if if they can invest in the right areas, that in turn have an impact back on the on the hospital system. You can both improve the academic standing and the quality of the research. That's done uh, on the clinical side of the institution, but you can also improve the quality of care and treatments uh, that uh, that you can provide on the, on the hospital side of the system. So, so this is a step, I think, in uh, in, in improving what's already a very fine hospital system uh, to make it even better and to improve the, the the quality of of service that it provides to hundreds of thousands of, of Hoosiers uh, every year. And at the same time, use that to uh, improve the the standing of uh, our clinical schools um, uh, as well. So that that really is part of of what's happening here. Then then another component, of course, is that out of all this, again, just as we were discussing before, comes um, uh, innovation, inventions, discoveries, and so on. What's called translational science uh, that uh, will lead to opportunities for the uh, commercialization of of products in in these areas that will contribute to the the building of the the life sciences economy in the state, which which is a significantly strong part of the the state's economy, has been a focus of a lot of uh, efforts to continue to build and expand and enhance it and so on as well. And at the end of the day, what that means is is higher income jobs and more jobs for for Hoosiers. And uh, when you're looking at a state with uh, around 10% unemployment, uh, everything we can be doing to to help address the creation of jobs in the future through the the intellectual property generated by... um, uh, scientists and researchers at IU, um, the more that we can do with that, uh, the better. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say, you know, branding is uh, sometimes a mystery, but but changing Clarion, which I don't think anybody really <laughs> understood, uh, I mean, it's a great idea from, I mean, Miles Brand really deserves a lot of credit for he what does. he did to, he to bring together those entities he into does. Clarion, but I'm not sure that many people knew IU was really connected to Clarion. So. <laughs> so. We, we, did, we did some uh, market research when we were I'm on the board, and uh, when we were making um, the, the decisions, and, and some of the market research showed that 
that people, well, it showed what you said, that most people really didn't have a very good idea what Clarion was, but it, a lot of people thought it was a hospital construction company because they associated it with a lot of the construction that was going on around the state. <laughs> well. And this, I mean, this, this I mean, I, I have to stress, I think, as you understand, Bob, the, the incredible importance of this. this. This now means that we have something, by we I mean IU Health has something like 40 major facilities around the state, including obviously Bloomington Hospital, and, uh, and, and maybe about a total of about 100 facilities from the north to the southeast to the west of the state. They are now all branded as IU Health with the IU logo there. So I think all of a sudden you've gone from the name Clarion, which was pretty much anonymous, to 100 places bearing the IU mark, as it were, the, the IU brand, and all of a sudden people, I think, will understand the, the, the huge impact that Indiana University has every day on the, the health and well-being of just hundreds of thousands of citizens of the state. And I assume that anybody who's in one of those 40 facilities now has access to specialists and specialty care from the rest of them. Right, so. right, right. So it, it improves the health care for any patient that walks through the door. Right. I mean, you, you, the, the uh, IU Health, uh, uh, one major core of it, of course, are the, uh, the, the tertiary and quaternary care facilities uh, that are provided through uh, what's, what is the university hospital or the Methodist hospital and so on. I mean, um, uh, treatments and facilities for, for can, uh, dealing with cancer and, and, and other diseases comparable to the best in the country. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to have to take a break. Uh, Indiana University President Michael McRobbie is here with us today. We're having a conversation about a lot of things involving the university. If you want to join us after the break, 855-0811, 877-285-9348, or go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcast directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. Programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, The Ether Game, Musical Mini Quiz, as well as Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Find out more at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Fridays, the WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 11.33 a.m., 11.55 a.m., and 5.45 p.m. to catch that day's feature. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with... I'm Indiana University President Michael McRobbie. You can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 outside of the local calling area. WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is our web address. Um, we had uh, we had a story in our paper, um, I don't know, it's been a month ago probably now, about Five IU professors mm. were named to the American Association for the Advancement of Science. And that was, you know, that's one of those things that, you know, to, to the untrained eye, it's an honor for a professor. But to people who are in the academy, that's a really big deal. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a wonderful achievement. I, I was just delighted that uh, five of our um, particularly distinguished uh, faculty uh, received that uh, that honor. Four in our uh, superb Department of Biology, and uh, one uh, one person in uh, Political Science, Ted Cummins. And uh, I think what's so important about this is that uh, it's easy for institutions to to trumpet how great they are and say, you know, we're terrific and we're wonderful and what have you. But but uh, the more the more discerning critics will say, well, prove it. You know, how give us the evidence that you really are good. And and I, I think one of the the best ways of, of demonstrating the quality of an institution is um, how many members of that institution are members of some of the, the major national academies. Uh, I use academies in the general sense here, and I'll come to that in a minute. But how, how many faculty members are members of those of those academies? Because the, these are um, organizations that have pretty objective uh, uh, ways of uh, the, the peers of those scientists reviewing their work and making a decision as to whether they're of the standard to join that uh, particular academy. So to me, the five, um, five of our very distinguished faculty members becoming members of the American Association for the Advancement of Science uh, is, um, is a statement about the quality of uh, 
their research and more generally of the people with whom they interact because it's every researcher is, is is supported by many colleagues and and others around them as well and that brings to 55 the the total number of members of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences we have and that's on top of just over 20 members of the National Academy of Sciences and uh, over 20 members of the American Association for Arts and and uh, Sciences and uh, five members of the American Philosophical Society, which is America's oldest scientific society founded by Benjamin Franklin, in fact, and and then a, one, one member last year of the Royal Society, which is uh, the world's oldest scientific society in which um, uh, Sir Isaac Newton played a role in, the, in its founding. So, so you can see why people who, get, who achieve membership of these great academies um, uh, really do uh, reflect uh, in turn the, the quality uh, of their own research, the departments and schools in which they work and ultimately of the institution of which they are a member. Mm-hmm. Well, the university has a lot of different parts, but the faculty is certainly one right. of the major, most significant parts. Right. So. And, and there, are, there are many other major associations and what have you. I've, I've tended to focus on these myself because uh, these are the sort of peak general academies, but but uh, just the other, just I think a couple of days ago, one of our faculty became a member of. I think it's the American, um, a fellow of the American uh, Society of Microbiology, another uh, very important uh, uh, academy as well. Well, we've been uh, lucky to have Ted Carmines on this program. Oh, so, right, right, right. He's from political science. I, he is, name. and he's uh, he's working in the uh, the Center for the Study of Congress. That that uh, our uh, great congressman or ex congressman Lee Hamilton has uh-huh. now returned full time to head. Yeah, I'll, I'll just name the others from biology: Linda Dell. Yeah. Uh, Roger Hangarter. 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 Yeah. Roger Innes and uh, Rudy Raff. Right. So. And a number of those are in um, uh, evolutionary biology and uh, Rudy, ev- evolutionary developmental biology, and, and Rudy Raff is regarded as really one of the co-founders of, of that field uh, internationally. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, another issue that's uh, come up or another uh, process that's come up is the benchmarking process that, mm-hmm. that the university has embarked on. Um, can you tell us more about that? Yeah. I, I think um, you, you were mentioning my last State of the University speech, Bob, and, mm-hmm. and in that I, I had uh, some comments about how even the best um, uh, institutions that has um, administrative processes and, and uh, units that have have built up over time, um, even with the best judgment in the world, uh, uh, inefficiencies are, are are bound to uh, enter into into the system. And uh, I think one needs to constantly be uh, benchmarking yourself against other comparable institutions uh, to to see whether the, the the processes and the way the ways in which we use our resources. Um, our, to support the administration of the university are being uh, used uh, as effectively and efficiently as possible. So th- this exercise is is one that Vice President Theobald is, is heading up, specifically focused on um, studying uh, how good are our administrative processes and uh, how do they shape up against those of other institutions. In particular, uh, we've been looking at um, University of Michigan here uh, and uh, and others, and uh, uh, and then that will give us some idea as to uh, whether we're um, uh, as good as uh, as good as others, uh, whether we we have um, uh, issues we need to be uh, uh, need to be addressing, uh, whether we're really leaders um, of the pack here as well. So that's that's the, the the nature of this, and that that exercise I think will be complete in about uh, about six four to six weeks as so well. The idea is essentially to make sure that the the money, the financial power of the university is going the, in right. the directions that you want it to right. go. Right, right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. To, to basically ensure that we we really are getting uh, very good value for the money we spend in the, in, in the very complex, substantial job of administering and running and managing a, a huge organization. I mean, one of the, one of the uh, what is it, like four largest organizations in the state, if you think of, if you think of the federal government as being one of those, the state government, I think there's us and... Uh, uh, I think Lily uh, comes next, if I remember rightly, or maybe it's uh, IU Health. Mm-hmm. If you include IU Health together with us, we may we may in fact be the biggest in the state. Mm-hmm. All right, eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. You have the opportunity to talk to President McRobbie today. You could ask him questions or make comments, uh, whatever is your pleasure. Um, you've talked at 
often, consistently, about the uh, international connections mm-hmm. of Indiana University. And, you know, I, I was just – I was thinking about that in terms of, you know, the world is in such turmoil right now. Mm-hmm. And we've had problems – we've had these issues in Egypt, Tunisia, Libya. There are problem spots all over the country uh, – or all over the world, rather. Um, you know, how does IU and, you know, its scholars and its programs – fit into trying to make sense of what's happening and maybe even make things a little better? Oh, that's a that's a, a very meaty question. It, it, it's, a little, it's a little different take on the <laughs> no, international no, no, it's, thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a good question. I, I, I think firstly that that our, our faculty have been um, – uh, in fact, I've seen some of the material that's come out of some of our faculty. Our faculty have been very active in um, – in in their pub, in public commentary and, and analysis of uh, of what's what's been these truly remarkable events that have happened in the Middle East, I think that for the um, for for the generation of our children, this is going to be you know roughly comparable to what we saw uh, well over twenty years ago with the the fall of the Berlin Wall and everything that followed from that. Uh, it 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 at least the most optimistic projection would be for it to be something like that. I guess there are less optimistic projections around as well, but. Um, uh, so, so I think this provides um, uh, uh, very fertile ground for our scholars and, and, and then in turn for our students to to to, uh, to study. We we have um, we do have a, a number of units. There's a project, the Democracy Project, in our uh, law school, and including political science and other departments as well, that that is really focused on. Uh, the the question of the emergence of democratic and civil institutions um, in, uh, in 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 what you might think of as both developing countries and countries that are recovering from uh, periods of um, autocracy, uh, and uh, I, I know that some people from some of those countries have in fact been scholars in that uh, program and visitors uh, to that program. So we've certainly maybe had some, uh, or do we do have some, I think some significant intellectual connections to at least some of what's happened in some of those. Um, those countries as well. I think uh, all of us hope that um, that uh, more more democratic secular governments will will uh, arise in in um, many of those countries that are experiencing turmoil at the moment, uh, and uh, and that this will um, maybe in the future enable the institutions of higher education in those those countries to um, uh, to, to begin to maybe develop. Uh, uh, more freely and in a more flexible way that will then hopefully provide our students with enhanced opportunities to, once those countries are, are safe to travel to again, uh, wonderful opportunities to, to, to see maybe um, uh, at least uh, taking the most optimistic view here, a, a sort of a renaissance um, in the, uh, the, the, the Middle East. Mm-hmm. All right. I want, I want to talk more about international issues, but we have yeah. a phone call. So uh, let's go to Leslie on the phone. Leslie? Hi there. Hi. Uh, hi, Dr. McRobbie. I wanted hi. to um, get information from you. I think you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I missed part of the program on the cyber infrastructure building mm-hmm. and what a little more detail about what's going in there and what will be happening. And then the second part of my question is, um, what do you see as the next building project at the 10th and the bypass location? Uh the, the, the cyber infrastructure building is going to house the all of the university information technology services operation that is presently spread over that vast number of old schoolhouses out there at the moment uh, and it'll also house some units of the um, pervasive tech institute uh, uh, that um, was funded by the Lilly endowment some years ago uh, and 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 some other units associated with um, information technology. Uh, there as well. It's there, there will be a lot of people crammed into that building. Um, it uh, it's very much a utilitarian uh, building. I was just doing a hard hat tour of it uh, of it yesterday, um, but uh, it will enable um, uh, in turn a lot of those old buildings to be uh, demolished to allow the possibility of um, additional expansion there. Uh, the the um, I think we we may be looking at some further some of the other. Uh, buildings there that are um, uh, that are, that aren't uh, to be demolished. We may be looking at some further renovations to those to allow some um, additional expansion out there. At the moment, there's not. We we, we finished an expansion of the uh, the 
auxiliary library facility, what's called the ALF, um, there about, or I think that was about a year ago. Uh, that was another um, area that was that was expanded there too, and that of course focuses a lot on uh, preservation uh, in um, uh, as far as the library is concerned. And uh, I think we'll be um, uh, potentially expanding the uh, the incubator at some point in the future, but uh, uh, we're waiting uh, for um, uh, really do to. Uh, to fully occupy the building, which is pretty well occupied now. But once that's fully occupied, I think we'll be reviewing uh, plans to expand the incubator since it's been pretty successful as well. Uh, and we have had ongoing discussions um, with uh, with other people about the possibility of some uh, co-location, co-location of, um, uh, of companies out there too. And, and that's, um, that's, that's been... Uh, uh, there's been a certain amount of interest. This is this is not a good time. This, well, this is let me put it differently. This this is um, has been a difficult time, but I think we're starting to see uh, an increase in interest in in doing that again as the as the economy improves. Yeah. Do you know about how many people or you're thinking will be in the cyber building? I think I've it's, heard about six hundred. It's around six hundred. Yes. Yeah. Right. And what are the? Plans it's going to be in? an. It's going to be an excess of six hundred. I think. In fact. Yeah. Well, it's an impressive building. So. Well, it's going to be a very full building, but it but it uh, but it will it will uh, provide um, uh, I think uh, appropriate facilities for uh, an area that is really just fundamental to the university. I mean, without uh, information technology, the whole the whole university would just grind to a complete stop tomorrow. Yeah. All right, Leslie. Is that yeah, thank you. Cleared up. Okay. Thanks for calling. All right. Eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight wfiu dot org slash noon edition. I think you're getting a lot of attention about. That tech park because it's very visible out there. <laughs> you see a lot of construction going on, and it's uh, obviously it's a major part of uh, the way things are going forward with the university. Yeah, yeah, it it it, um, it really uh, is something that um, uh, is long overdue for for the university. I'm glad we can we, we've really got it uh, moving now, and uh, uh, I'm our, our hope is that it will have a ultimately have a big impact on. Uh, uh, on the creation of of you know new jobs, new companies, uh, and that will in turn uh, enhance and en- enrich the um, the academic and research enterprise within the university as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, Mayor Cruzan announced the other night that the the city and the university have a an agreement in principle on the twelve acres in the downtown area. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we'll see if, yep. if that one comes forward in the all the. All the T's get crossed and the I's get dotted in the next few weeks. Yeah, so. and he's been he's been very supportive of uh, our efforts um, out there as well. And I think he I think he understands the the scale of of our ambitions ultimately for that whole area out there too. How important is the bypass to you out there? Getting that bypass finished? Oh, <laughs> probably the same as every other citizen of the of the city of Bloomington, yeah, Bob. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it. Uh, I, I think when it when it's finished, it, it uh, obviously with the buildings that we're We've got there, and some of the demolition that'll take place, it, it will um, fully reveal uh, the, just uh, what a wonderful site that's going to be for future development for the university and its and its partners out there. At the at the moment, of course, it's one massive building site right. on the bypass. Right. Um, I want to go back to the. I, I said I wanted to revisit the international connections because that 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 again is a major part of uh, has been a major part of your emphasis on mm-hmm. IU, and you've built some connections in China and. Uh, we were just talking before the program about Korea and other mm-hmm. other places over there. Uh, can you give us an update on the relationship with? I don't remember the name of the university in China, but the the one that we have oh, a partnership with. Well, we we have um, we have partnerships with from memory. I think it's about eight universities in China. The the one that we've focused on a lot is um, is uh, Zhejiang University in in the city of uh, Hangzhou, in the um, in the province of, of Zhejiang. And uh, it, it, it's um, significant for a number of reasons. Uh, one is it's it, the Chinese are very big on rankings, I guess, as, as we are too. And uh, it's ranked as their number three university, used to be, or I think is still known as the Cambridge of the East. And uh, it's, a, it's a, a huge, very, very good university. And uh, we've got um, uh, academic connections with, uh, with Zhejiang in a, a number of areas, and we've had them going back a long, a long time as, as well. And... Um, and there are there are people in the university like um, like Bob Eno who who are, who have had long-standing academic uh, connections with Zhejiang and played a significant role, I think, in helping us um, uh, expand and, and build our connections uh, uh, with uh, with them as well. It's a it's a 
it's an interesting place in that it um, it, it's in a um, it's in a more manageable city. I use the term relatively speaking, more manageable city than Shanghai or Beijing, both of which are gigantic cities. It's a it's a modest city of only five million people, um, uh, but with a uh, with a fine university there. But we but we also have. Oh, sorry, the other thing I wanted to mention is Zhejiang Province is the is the sister state, as it were, of Indiana, too. And so Governor Daniels has been over there, I think, three times. I was with him on one of his visits. And uh, and he's he's uh, put a lot of effort into building relationships with Zhejiang. It's also known as a sort of Silicon Valley of of China uh, too. But as well, we have relations with the with Peking University and with uh, Tsinghua University, the top two universities in in China, both of which are in Beijing. Mm-hmm. All right, we have a couple phone calls, so let's sure. go uh, to Julia next. Julia, yes. Hello, go ahead. Hello. Okay. So here's my question. Um, you may know, as you may know, the U.S. Census projects that in 10 years, uh, college campuses in the United States will have close, if not more, of 50% of the student uh, body is going to be minorities, domestic minorities. Mm-hmm. And my question is, what is Indiana University doing, academically speaking, to provide cultural affinity and a more welcoming um, campus environment to Latinos, to African Americans, Asian Americans, Native Americans? Because, as you know, they are the bridge to the international diversity that is so dear to you. Uh, well, um, we, we have an, an office, uh, which is the Office of Diversity Multicultural Affairs, uh, that um, Vice President Ed Marshall uh, heads, and uh, and and it's it has a whole range of different programs um, in in this area. And uh, if you're not familiar with them, and we can certainly. Uh, Get you more information um, about them, but uh, in this context, I was I was very pleased to have been able to appoint uh, last year. I think it was in August last year, our first um, Hispanic vice president, who is um, uh, Vice President uh, Jorge Jose, as our new uh, vice president uh, for uh, research, and he is um, uh, Mexican by origin and uh, a very distinguished professor of physics. In fact, a member of the uh, fellow of the. Uh, association uh, for the advancement of, of sciences as well, and um, and he's done a been doing a fine job in his in his position, and I think is uh, uh, is probably indicative of the fact that no doubt there will be um, uh, given exactly the demographic issues that you raised, there'll be more people who are now seen as being uh, minorities in uh, a significant uh, uh, administrative and managerial positions in the university in future years. I mean, after all, you, you, you have an immigrant as the president of the university as well. Julia, that's an excellent question. Uh, we're going to have to move on. But I know it's a, it's a challenge uh, that the, the president has, has talked about before, and it's, I think that it's incremental. It's incremental, but, but the, last year the figures for minority um, uh, student enrollment were, were all, all were, uh, were up and overall in the university there, there was an improvement. We, we are starting on average in the university to look uh, pretty close to the, the state average in terms of minorities. L- Bloomington is not what I wanted to see it, but, but it's improving. Uh, but overall, we're headed much closer to the state average in that regard. All right, Julia. Thanks a lot for the call. We're going to go next to Jordan. Jordan? Hi, Dr. McCrabby. Um I need some help here. <clears throat> had two of my children go to IU, and the third one's going to go, and they've had good experiences, but it hasn't been a good experience for our wallet. And uh, a lot of my friends who work at IU say, well, prices uh, have to go up because you can only get good professors by paying them more. I find that really, really hard to believe, and I'm wondering if you could, uh, um, you know, what can be done so that you know, the cost of education doesn't go up higher than other costs. Well, uh, the the increases in the in the costs of um, higher education are, are really driven by are driven by three things. Uh, they're driven by what we what we think of as being uh, uh, unavoidables, which in fact sometimes can be at least uh, modified. Principal, principally among which is is healthcare costs. Um, and we've put a lot of effort into trying to reduce the rate of increase of healthcare costs because that is, is a significant component of um, the, the overall 
cost of an education at Indiana University. The second is technology, and the reasons for that are simply that the technology has to be refreshed every three to four years, and uh, and and that that in turn becomes a, a cost even if you average it out. And then finally, is the cost that you mentioned, and that is uh, uh, the compensation principally for our faculty, and 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 in most cases, um, uh, the best among the faculty. And and it is, I, I can tell you, even in um, a recession, there is still a very strong market for the best faculty. We we have um, we've done pretty well. But even in this market, we have lost some good faculty in in this um, in these very difficult uh, times to other institutions simply because they were able to offer better conditions than uh, than we could offer. Now we in turn have also hired a lot of faculty away from other institutions as well. So it is still a very uh, a very hot um, market for the very best faculty. I mean, ultimately, institutions are defined by the quality of the faculty because they're the people who. Uh, help to attract students, inspire students, teach students, do the research, and the the institutions uh, with uh, the best faculty um, are, are the institutions that, on the whole, uh, 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 prosper and do well. All right, Jordan, we're going to have to go here. Can I just add just Thank one you. thing, yeah. Bob? I should add that that having said that, there was a study done by the U.S. Department of Education last year which showed that um, for in-state for an in-state IU education, IU is the lo- it provides the lowest cost education in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, so an IU education really is great, great value. Mm-hmm. It's just it's expensive to go to school. It's, it's just expensive to go to school, but, but, but you but you benefit from it because right. you tend to earn. Well, I think the figures show something like twice as much money as somebody who doesn't go to college for the rest of your career, minimally. Yeah. You know, we have lots of other topics we could uh, go into, but we we are really about out of time. And we, talking about the the whole issue of of the cost. I mean, on the federal level, we just had a story in our paper about Pell grants mm. that could be going away in the federal budget, or not going away, but could be reduced significantly in the federal budget. And a lot of you know, a lot of students do have financial aid. We have less than a minute to go. Yeah, I just I just add, Bob, that I think I, I've got a lot of concern about uh, what's happening with the, um, uh, the 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 cutting back of funding for Pell grants. Um, they they are very important to uh, a lot of low income students from low income backgrounds uh, as well. I, I in fact have spoken to both of our senators about this, and I'm hoping that that mm-hmm. that may be uh, modified as it works its way through the Congress as well. I think our story said seven thousand of IU's thirty thousand undergraduates are eligible for that's right, grants, right, exactly, right. All right, we are out of time. President Michael McRobbie, thanks for being here. Thanks, Bob, as always. We could have gone on for another hour, I'm sure. (laughs) Easily. Right. I want to thank – Mary Catherine couldn't be here today, but I always thank Mary Catherine at the end of the show. And Dan Goldblatt, our producer, Mike Pashkash, our engineer, for for, uh, those folks and for myself. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.